All right, so we're back to cutting room floor. We're looking at uh, Genesis 9 and this super confusing, hotly debated uh, section of scripture about Noah at sort of the after the flood, post flood. He has this sort of interesting family moment. Mm -hmm. Um, They can be really confusing. So we thought we'd maybe take a little time since I wasn't. You know, I was trying to do, I think, six through nine in Genesis, which is three chapters, mm-hmm. a fair amount. So this did not get as much as it could have. So do you want to just read the text totally. for us just to set the stage a little yeah, bit? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's the end of Genesis chapter nine, starting in verse 18. And you'll you'll see the, the problems appear as I read it. Verse 18 says, The sons of Noah went forth from the ark, were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. So, I mean, there you have a, a bunch of weird things happening, yeah. particularly with Noah's nakedness. It's basically and then, in every kid's Bible I've ever totally. read. Totally. <laughs> Not. <laughs> totally. But yeah, there's a, a ton of questions. You know, what exactly is happening with yeah. Noah? What's this deal with the cursing and Canaan and sure. all that sort of stuff? So where, where would you start? Yeah, so maybe just to start kind of big picture, let's start with like how not to interpret okay. this passage. Because I think this... Because it has been interpreted this has, really yeah, poorly. Really poorly throughout yeah. church history, especially kind of in, really honestly, the, you know, in America and in Europe and, and whatnot. Okay. But specifically, how not to interpret it, I would just call this the racist interpretation. Okay. Um, specifically, this text has been one of a handful that have been used um, in kind of colonial America in racist settings to condone from a biblical way, quote unquote biblical, of the enslavement of Africans. So you mean like they would enslave African people and then say, go back to church and say, but remember Ham. Remember Ham because Ham was cursed. And the kind of the logic, if you will, of this is that Ham and his descendants more or less are Egypt, Cush, in the African region. There's a kind of a wordplay with Ham and like dark and burnt. So there's like a a skin thing that this is, again, this is flawed logic. I'm just saying what the argument would would perhaps be. And so then that that logic is then used throughout colonial America into the, you know, 18th, 19th centuries as a way of condoning this act of slavery yeah. where it's been quote unquote biblically mandated. Okay. So why is that? Like, I totally agree. I'm totally anti-racism, totally. anti-slavery. Yeah. Why is that a bad biblical interpretation? Totally. And just to, God, as a quick note for those interested, I have a couple quotes from commentaries that are expo- exposing this view or expounding this view. Yeah. If people are interested in, in hearing that one is recently, even as 1986. Wow. So just in the U S in, in the, U- uh, I don't know where it was published okay. per se, but maybe Germany, but 1986 it was Erdman's. So that, oh, that whoa. would be, that's like a legit, yeah, it's like a legit house. publishing house. Yeah. Holy so, cow. 
Um, so I have the quotes here for that, but then kind of back to your question though, like why would we not interpret this as yeah. a racist passage? You can go passages in the new Testament, you know, all sorts of stuff there, yeah. but specifically in the book of Genesis, the author of Genesis has gone to great lengths to show that people from the African region yeah. are of supreme value and worth to God. I think of in Genesis Which runs six, totally counter to the way that slavery was being done in Europe, in the United totally. States, like super dishonoring of people. Totally, 100%. Yeah. I think a couple examples jump out. Genesis 16, there's the story of Hagar. Yeah. And God advocate, advocate, advocates advocates yeah, for right. Hagar on behalf of Hagar, who's out in the wilderness. There's that kind of semi-famous story where God shows up to Hagar and Hagar sees God mm. and, and God notices and sees Hagar in her moment of pain. This is after Abraham and Sarah have their total mishap with Hagar, Abraham yeah. sleeps with Hagar, and we'll get to that in a few weeks. But the point is that God has this affectionate love and care for Hagar mm. in the wilderness, meeting Hagar in her moment of need with water, with sustenance. So there's that story. And then there's also, when you get to the end of Genesis, Genesis 48, the author of Genesis takes essentially a whole chapter to have this moment where Jacob, the patriarch, blesses two of Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Okay. Now, Ephraim and Manasseh were the two sons of Joseph from the time that Joseph was in Egypt, and Joseph had married an Egyptian mm -hmm. at that point. And so Joseph's two sons are African, or at least yeah. half African yeah. in that sense. And you read the, the chapter, specifically Genesis 48, verse 5, that the logic of the way or the reason why Jacob wants to bless these two sons is precisely because it was because of Joseph's time in Egypt or in Africa. Mm. And because also of the promise to Abraham that through Abraham, the nations of the world would be blessed. Yeah. Jacob connects that, that blessing to now this is okay. An instance of God's blessing be extended to the nations wow. in particular, Joseph's sons yeah. who are of African descent. And okay. so even inherently within the 12 tribes of Israel, there's, you know, we could say there's essentially African blood yeah. in, in the 12 tribes, specifically huh. through Joseph's yeah. um, Ephraim and Manasseh yeah. and, um, and, and all that's that. not even getting at Genesis 1, that every human totally. being is oh, yeah. made in God's image. image. Yeah, totally. And that's like the, you know, we're the foundation of core, this human core dignity. Things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's important just to lay that on the table. Terrible interpretations throughout history that have led to racism. So this is an example of how actually how we interpret our Bibles matters. It really matters. In real life. Totally. 100%. Okay. There's practical consequences to how we do theology. So that, that's a bad way of yeah. looking at it. Can we, what are like some more, I don't know, appropriate. Appropriate. Totally. Yeah. And we'll just say from the beginning, uh, this is a passage that again, that you mentioned earlier is fairly hotly debated. So again, we're not, we're holding this out with an open hand, yeah. kind of this, this next part here. So then how then shall we interpret? I think we should start kind of big picture things that more or less people agree on. First would say that Noah is essentially being depicted as like Adam 2.0, if you will. Okay. And what I mean by that is in Genesis 9, earlier before the passage that I read, Noah was given the same commission that Adam was, be fruitful mm. and multiply. So same so as that, Genesis 1. So yeah, same language, mirrors yeah. the same language. And the, the flood is like a decreation narrative, decreation narrative back to day three, the separating of the dry land and the water. Totally. Okay, so you have the decreation, then you have sort of the re the re-invitation to populate. Exactly, okay. right. It's the same kind of, you know, cultural mandate yeah. commission from Genesis 1 happening all over again. And then you also have this scene, specifically what we just read a moment ago, of here you have this two point, Adam 2.0, if you will, mm -hmm. Noah, in a situation where there's fruit and a tree yeah. the vineyard. He plants a vineyard. Plants a vineyard. Yeah. So it's, it's not the exact same word, but it's like a garden-like, yeah. you know, garden -like image. Garden-like environment with a plant that bears fruit fruit yes and then what do you do with that fruit yeah Just and how like it, in genesis there's trees 
There are certain trees you're not supposed to eat. Totally. And eating fruit goes a bad. Goes, totally. Goes bad. Goes bad. And it creates this moment where we're kind of wondering, okay, Noah so far has been presented as this morally upstanding character yeah. for the most part. And here we kind of have this instance, okay, what exactly are we to, to make of that? Yeah. So I think big picture there again, Adam or Noah is Adam 2.0, but then things kind of go awry. And that's mm-hmm. where I think the interpretive questions yeah. come. With and this idea of like the nakedness, the yeah. walking backwards, the ham not doing that. Yeah. What, what is, is going, going on? on? Yeah. And so I said this a moment ago, this might be cheesy, but I just, I had to do like an acronym for yeah, this. Of so course you did. the acronyms Noah. So oh, no, yeah, yeah. So it matches. <laughs> so N O H A. Okay. So N, uh, just kind of working through this. Right. I know yeah. I spelled it right. Right. Yeah. So Noah or N, sorry. N for this acronym would be notice the ambiguity. Okay. And I think just being honest with the biblical text or being honest as you recognize and read this text, that there is some am- ambiguous things yeah. in this passage and not to see that as like a glitch or something flawed with the text itself. It wasn't because they were bad writers. Totally. Exactly. Right. And I think yeah. there's, it's on some level intentional to invite us to deeper study and thinking and yeah. pondering, you know, on the biblical text. So Good. I think that's, that's helpful just to state. And then the second thing though, for O would be to think about can I think of other stories, in particular in the book of Genesis? So O is other stories. Other stories, yeah. yeah, sorry. O is other stories. Can I think of other stories that are of similar nature, thinking specifically about some sort of like sex, because there's the nakedness yeah. factor here, some sort of like sexual promiscuity, deviance that's a little fishy, not totally in, li- not sure. in line at all with you know God's design yeah. or whatnot. Are there other stories in the biblical narrative, and in particular that this book, Genesis, that... Yeah might give us some hints. Yeah. I mean, the one that pops to mind is Lot with his daughters. Totally. Uh, Post-Sodom and Gomorrah. Post-Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. So this is Genesis 19. So this is, again, there's a lot of parallels here because Lot, there's wine involved. There's Uh, drunkenness involved in that story. And so for those not familiar, Genesis 19, Lot, Abraham's nephew, has these two daughters. And these two daughters kind of conspire together to have this. it's, it's, It's in the Bible to have sex with their father in an attempt to produce offspring so that their seed, their family line can Can continue. Can I just interrupt for one second? You know, a lot of people think the Bible is like this, like holier than thou kind of book. It has some really like the epitome of human evil and sin and just brokenness is also depicted. It's all there. Yeah. Like it's, it is not just sort of like glossed over and beautiful. Yeah. There's some really rough, rough stuff totally. in the Bible. Hundred percent. No, no, I think like it's it's important it. to say totally. <laughs> in Genesis nineteen and well even Genesis nine, the passage we're talking about are great examples of that. Yeah. And so I think kind of connecting it back with Genesis nineteen, his two daughters, Lot's two daughters and Lot himself with Genesis nine, kind of the logic of this section here of kind of this approach would be to say, okay, if Genesis 19 is in some way going to shed some light on Genesis 9, perhaps then what's happening, this is kind of the, the logic of yeah. a view, is that perhaps Ham, is, in a similar way to how Lot's daughters were more or less kind of raping or taking advantage of their father Lot, yeah. perhaps Ham is somehow taking advantage of Noah. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the kind of the, the, the grotesque thing that Ham is yeah. doing. That leads to his curse. That leads to his curse, exactly. Yeah. So it that's, wasn't simply he walked in and was like, oops, d- and d- then landed, walked out giggling. Totally, exactly. Like, so there's the, the logic would be there's more going on in that phrase, seeing the nakedness yeah. of, of one's father. Yeah. That there's Maybe actual, like in Hebrew, sometimes when you know someone, totally. it's more than 
knowing their name. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's, there's like a sexual component. Component to that. Exactly. So maybe there's something like that going on here. Totally. hundred percent. So that's kind of one plausible view. And that kind of goes under the, the O of other stories, okay. just kind of getting us in the ballpark yeah. of, you know, other, other stories that can help yeah. interpret so what's N-O, happening. So now we're at A. At A. And so A would be active, activate the hyperlinks. This is kind of getting more granular, more technical yeah. with like key phrases in the passage we're looking at. And so specifically thinking about, okay, there's this interesting phrase we mentioned at the nakedness of the father, the nakedness of Noah. Yeah. Are there, is, does that phrase appear elsewhere in the Bible and specifically throughout the Torah in particular? And the answer is yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope you're not asking me <laughs> totally, to <yeah>. link it. <laughs> so this phrase, the nakedness of the father or the nakedness of you know one's father appears all over, especially in Leviticus 18. Okay. And now... So when you say hyperlink, it's like, you know the the blue like totally. the, the word is highlighted you click it and it takes you somewhere else totally and yeah. and this is the, just as a quick side note you, this isn't just something people like with degrees can do you can actually do this yeah. there's a free website stepbible.org where you read through it's an, it's a website you read through the, the the text and as you are hovering over the word it automatically will then on a on a on a, on a second screen or a second page then show all the other places as you're reading where those huh. same words and phrases That's appear cool. so this is not so like people have done some of this work for, for us. yeah so you, they can yeah. do the work you know for you That's essentially good. so as a, as a side note but anyway leviticus 18 and 19 is kind of this section within the, the levitical law that specifically talks about sexual sins and the sexual sins that Israel is not to do. Okay. And Leviticus 18 in particular. Because they are supposed to do certain sexual sins. I said it the wrong way. They're not <laughs> supposed to do these sexual sins yeah. because they're supposed to be holy. That's the, kind of the yeah. whole point yeah, of Leviticus, yeah. right? Consecrated to God. But Leviticus 18 is interesting because you're given this detail in Leviticus 18 that they're not to live like the Canaanites okay. who do all these sexual sins. Yeah. Now Canaanite you, sounds a little significant. Totally. Because you go back to Genesis 9, yeah. you're given this detail that Ham is the descendant of, or Ham led, Ham's descendants are the Canaanites. The Canaanites okay. Right? okay. So you're given these clues that yeah. go back and these forth. These are supposed to link maybe. The link together. And then also that phrase, the nakedness of the father appears over and over again mm-hmm. in Leviticus 18. And in particular, what's interesting, again, I told you this would be detailed. Leviticus 18 verse 7 explicitly says this, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. So Leviticus 18 verse 7 is explicitly telling us that the nakedness of one's father equals the nakedness of one's mother, okay. right? So you kind of see the logic there. Yeah. Now, when someone, this again, a, a plaza, one view that's kind of out there yeah, with Some this. scholars think this. Totally. So then the logic would then be go back to Genesis 9 and see that same phrase and go, okay, perhaps what Ham is doing is not necessarily directly at Noah, his father, physically, yeah. but perhaps at Noah's wife. Mm. Where, again, this is grotesque. It's, yeah. it's crazy. But perhaps what's happening here is that Ham has somehow had sexual relations with Noah's wife, his mother. Yeah as a way of perhaps trying to attain kind of the, the family hierarchy, status, power, yeah. lineage, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And you might think, okay, that's insane. Like who would ever do that? Yeah. Like why would ever anyone ever want to do that? Which go ask David. Yeah, totally. So like, can you, this is great <laughs> because again, we're now thinking, okay, can I think of other places in the scriptures where someone's son has attempted to have sex with their mother, their father's spouse. Mm-hmm. And the answer is it's all over. Well, not all over, but there are instances in scripture yeah. where this happens. So you mentioned David. So with his son, Absalom, yeah. Absalom, his wayward son, attempts to have sex or does have sex with David's wives in an attempt to gain power. to yeah, Basically a, a coup. A coup, exactly. To yeah. attain authority as the, as the king of Israel. 
And even in particular in the book of Genesis, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob's sons towards the end of the book of Genesis, he is forfeit or he, he does not get the, the blessing of the firstborn yeah. because specifically Genesis 49 says that he had sex with Jacob's uh, concubines. So there is this, this kind of narrative that So you follow play. the hyperlinks and you get some interesting stuff. You get some interesting stuff that begins to help. Basically what this is, you know, you know kind of biblical interpretation, you're allowing the scriptures to kind of inform your view on some of these other yeah. scriptures that aren't maybe as clear on their own. That's I think good. that's kind of what we're trying to yeah. hopefully help people see, yeah. you know, kind of how this goes. Now, all that to say that was the A, activate hyperlinks, which leads to this last one, H, and I just have H for humility. Yeah. All that we're, we're saying right here is that I'm not necessarily going to hold this with a tight fist, kind of these yeah. different views. There's a on, couple different views and even textually, like, you know, the, the other sons walk backwards yeah. and cover their dad's, nudity which seems maybe it doesn't relate to the mom totally yeah or a female figure there so maybe that one isn't in there totally but the hyperlinks certainly shed some light some light totally yeah and so just to to say like there there is this level of like when we're looking at a, a passage like this that is ambiguous that we need to have humility with it we can do it's our cool. best to think about it dwell upon it yeah all those sorts of things and I think it's important to just to say it like as we're looking at these these stories okay so then what would be the significance kind of for us in our day. And I think just a couple things to, to say is that, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, you did on Sunday, yeah. that whatever's happening with Noah, it's not trying to present him in a positive light at this point. And in, in particular, his yeah. sons as well. There's Something nothing happened. about Noah's family yeah. that is presented in a good way at this point. Totally. And this is like how we're left remembering. Post-flood. Post-flood. Yeah. The, the Noah, the, the, the family story totally. of Noah. Yeah. So the, the text is very honest about these quote-unquote biblical heroes yeah. and their families. Yeah. Which gives us, you know, comfort, hopefully, that, yeah. you know, we're not all, you know, always perfect and yeah. we have flaws and so on and so forth. That's good. I think secondly, there's a level of like these passages, as confusing or as challenging they might be, I think they're also great windows into growing in our ability to interpret scripture. That's good. And again, hopefully I mentioned stepbible.org. There's resources, there's ways to do this where you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to, you know, yeah. go to seminary and all these sorts of things. An everyday person, I truly believe this, can grow in their ability to, to work through a biblical passage, yeah. see the connections to other places. And it really, maybe I'm just, this is just me, but it just opens up a whole world. Totally. Of it makes like, the Bible fun. It, totally. Like it makes yeah. it interesting. It's Enjoyable. Sort of, doesn't, there's nothing boring. Totally. About exploring what could be going what on What is going here. on here? And, and sometimes you, maybe the, there's an ambiguity there so that we're invited to explore. Totally. And I think even just like a good riddle, I think often invites that kind of like pondering and thinking and yeah. like, you know, asking more questions. And in similar way, some of these narratives are not, I don't mean riddle in the sense of like trying to intentionally confuse yeah, someone, but as like an invitation to, yeah. to grow and think and, and be challenged in that way. And lastly, I'll just say this, that for especially the original audience, this kind of, these narratives are meant to, I think, challenge Israel's assumptions as to how they're to live mm -hmm. in their society. So the Canaanites, Leviticus 18 in particular, had all these devious, grotesque sexual practices, and Israel was called not to be like them. Yeah. They were called to be holy. And I think for our day, there's this, there's this kind of a similar thing that's happening where we're invited to, you know, obviously be aware of what's happening in our culture, yeah. but to recognize that we as followers of Jesus are called to live in a different way. Yeah, that's good. And that can be hard, but yeah. I think texts like this kind of point us in that direction yeah, to good. follow Jesus in these ways. Yeah, to image Jesus, image the Father. Mm-hmm be his representatives versus simply reflect the society in which we are placed. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So, Thanks, man. Cool.